0: You're back with Gloucester Book Club in our book lounge, and I'm Christina Young. In tonight's episode, we'll be talking about A Town Called Solace by Mary Lawson. She's a Canadian writer, and the book was long-listed for the Booker Prize in 2021. Just to warn you listeners, there may be spoilers contained in this podcast. Clara's sister is missing. Angry, rebellious Rose had a row with her mother, stormed out of the house and simply disappeared. Eight-year-old Clara, isolated by her distraught parents' efforts to protect her from the truth, is grief-stricken and bewildered. Liam Kane, newly divorced, newly unemployed, newly arrived in this small northern town, moves into the house next door, a house left to him by an old woman he can barely remember and within hours gets a visit from the police at the end of her life elizabeth orchard is thinking about a crime too one committed 30 years ago that had tragic consequences for two families and in particular for one small child she desperately wants to make amends before she dies the acclaimed canadian author of crow lake intertwines the lives of three characters brought together by loss in a quietly moving novel, touched with flashes of humour about the tenderness and tragedy of everyday lives in a small backwater town. In our book lounge tonight, I'm joined by two of our book club members, Tony and Jo joe and tony great to have you join me this evening to talk about a town called solace okay so this novel is set in 1972 so it's almost 50 years ago now is that long enough in your opinion for it to be called an historical novel what would you say joe
1: it's a bit frightening really to think about that length of time as being historical because i was a teenager in Mm -hmm. 1972 and it doesn't seem historical to me but to modern readers it probably is a bit out of time they won't be familiar with, with that era and the, the way people lived in that time perhaps
2: to me no because whilst it's clearly set in that era with references to the second world war period and others um, i don't think i don't i think the book is timeless in terms of it's not attached to the era it's set in so i actually think dates in this context aren't Particularly relevant because it's the story is set in those eras, but I wouldn't say wholly about those eras, if that makes sense.
0: So, what did you guys? You both read it. It's not that long ago. It's only a couple of months ago that we read this. We discussed it in book club. Have you had a chance to think about it since then? And what are your thoughts about the book?
1: I really enjoyed it. I'm a big fan of Anne Tyler, and in my opinion, Mary Lawson is a if you like, a follower of Anne Tyler and a simplistic laid, paired back style, quite friendly with Anne Tyler. And we know that Anne Tyler promotes Mary Lawson's books. I like the fact that it's very minimalist in the way it's written. It's character driven rather than plot driven. And the plot sort of follows the characters. I really enjoyed it.
0: And Tony, what did you think about this, the writing style? It is deceptively simple in in, in the way it's written, isn't it?
2: The author's new to me so no prior books or knowledge so taking it as I find it and in that sense very well written very easy read Um, I tend to do the um, audio versions of the books I've listened to it twice and um, I'd say some books can be a challenge second time round or once I'm done this was very easy doing it a second time two three months later and an enjoyable read. The
0: book's got a kind of small town feel to it hasn't it it's quite parochial Uh, but alongside it's got this sense of being kind of quite important and I think this deceptively simple writing style kind of belies its brilliance in a lot of ways so it feels strong and it feels immersive to me when I read it and it left the reader feeling well it left me feeling quite enchanted by the story there are some weaknesses I think in the plot, there are some flaws in the plot, and we'll probably come to those as we go along. I it came out as giving you this kind of feel-good message at the end of the book. Optimism, reasons to be looking forward and thinking good things were going to happen. Did you feel that?
1: I'd like to think that um, at the end, the, without wanting to give away too many spoilers, um, at the end of the book, um, the main protagonist, Liam, has met a local young woman, Jo, and uh, it would be nice to think that they do get together properly and uh, make a go of it so it, it does leave you with that as the prospect of what's happening after the book ends.
0: Tony I've got to ask you this how much empathy did you have for Elizabeth Orchard who's one of the main three characters in the book how much of what she said did you believe is she a, is she a reliable narrator in this book?
2: If you come from the perspective of she's emotionally and mentally damaged, she's completely reliable. Um, She's been through trauma in her life and Her story, especially the past, if you like, is very much reflected about, I think, the consequences of the damage and her experiences and what she did about it. And, you know, the core of her story, you know, towards the the latter days of her life um, is very much reflecting back, you know, what she did, but with a sense of she still views the world through a particular window I'll call it whereby she still talks about you know relationships in the past the situation with Liam who was in real terms barely in her life but talks about him in much in a different context as if he'd been in a life for a much longer period and a deeper relationship Mm. so I think she was wholly reliable if she has been written as I read it as somebody who is damaged, and yeah. it's a damaged view of the world. And if that is what the author intended, she achieved it very well.
0: The relevance or the importance of Liam in her life is huge, isn't it? Um, and she could only have known him really for a relatively short amount of time, but it's so important to her that she ends up leaving him her house, her estate, you know, and he's now a man in his 30s and he can't really remember it that well. Mm.
1: I think I kind of agree with Tony, basically, that she is damaged. She has had a a quite hard life and uh, in the sense that she's relating her memory of her connection with Liam and overdoing it in her mind because it's so important to her emotionally, she makes it appear a much longer lasting and more impactful relationship at the time.
0: Actually, Elizabeth's had a very sad life where she's lost A lot of babies through miscarriage and is always, you know, really desperate for a child, which is why her relationship with Liam became so important to her. Let's go forward into the bits where Elizabeth is now quite elderly and she is in hospital and she's got a patient next to her called Martha. And from that sort of, you know, hospital setting, What do we learn about attitudes to the elderly from the conversations that Elizabeth and Martha have? Do you think there's much difference between our attitude to the elderly nowadays?
2: Possibly on the specifics, but in my second listening of the book, it was that particular relationship with herself and Martha, the setting in, you know, I don't know, end of days in hospital environment um yeah that was something which i think sunk in a little bit more and the experience if you like and the recognition you know well in there you're going to heal and then a recognition at some point that you're in there to be cared for in your final days and those experiences you know with martha and uh, you know second time around listening to the book i actually found that the writing, the sharing of being in that situation was, you know, quite enlightening and uh, I enjoyed that aspect particularly.
0: Did you think that back in the 70s, people very much revered doctors, were quite mm. found it quite difficult to ask doctors questions, um, didn't know what to say to them? Because Martha was really asking Elizabeth, wasn't she, to speak up for her?
1: Yes, yeah. if if the, if the novel is a historical novel in any sense... That's perhaps its 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 main um, role. It's portraying the way that in in, in the seventies um, doctors really looked down on patients and sort of patronised them and didn't didn't speak to them directly. For example, they on their ward rounds they would just go past talking to their retinue of junior doctors and students and almost ignore the patient who would be not Mrs. So and So would be my liver or whatever. Um, and I suppose that is a historical touch isn't
0: it i mean one would hope that things were better now you know that doctors are more approachable that you could perhaps we're a bit more um educated about medicine as well ourselves because we can look it all up online Mm -hmm. but i think there is still that i don't know what you think there's still this sort of little barrier there between being feeling able to say what you want to to a
2: doctor i (laughs) I've got to admit I'm glad I'm glad to say my hospital and doctor experience is limited at this stage Mm -hmm. Um, but I'd say more broadly I think some of the experience in relation to health and mental health and end of life Mm. I don't think it's a strength of the book this goes back to my earlier comment about it being a historical novel or not because I think that there's a little bit of lack of clarity and I'm someone who could happily be educated through the book on how it was um, through that lack of experience because the mental health side, for example, when she you know again within the book she spent time in you know a mental health probably called an asylum back in those days Um, but the the understanding of mental health is a very modern very relevant thing with covid Um, but how that's been treated through the ages and the support on offer to people has changed significantly so in terms of the mental health story Um, I can relate very much to that picture of being elderly in hospital and how you're treated.
0: We've got three narrative voices going on in this book, haven't we? We've got Elizabeth, who's in her 80s. We've got Clara, who's only eight. And we've got Liam, who's the young man who is in his 30s. Did you think that the technique of using the three different narrative voices to tell the story was successful? And did you have a favourite of those three narrators?
1: Yeah, I think it probably did work. I mean, it suited the the pared down style of the book very much to do it like that. And of those three, I think my favourite would have to be Clara.
0: And Clara's the little girl who's eight,
2: isn't yeah. she? For me, it's Liam. And that's relating to, you know, he seems to have a midlife crisis a little bit early in life. <laughs> um, But finding himself, but, you know, recognizing things in that, you know, like he went into a career, possibly not of choice or passion. He went into a relationship, um, probably because it was the done thing. So, you know, his life was going down a path, um, more the path in front of him, probably, than the path of choice. And for me, he's finding himself in the book by stepping away from that life through the opportunity for Elizabeth. So I'd say Liam at the core, but I absolutely, my earlier comment, particularly around Elizabeth and, you know, in a hospice, I'm assuming with Martha. I think on the second listening, you know, the experience of being elderly, being in hospital, being at the end of life, reflecting on your life. Second time round, I did get a lot more from that aspect of the book.
0: That's interesting. The second time round of listening gave you gave you more as well, isn't it? I'm just thinking in terms of um, Liam for a little bit now because he was a boy, uh, only about three or four, I think wasn't he when he was known by Elizabeth and she took him under her wing. He was having a hard time at home with his parents. He had siblings, twin siblings, which were um, difficult times. His mum wasn't coping very well with him and he had a very poor relationship with his parents. Now, fast forward to Liam as a 30-odd-year-old man, and it seems that the whole experience of him being in that family with his, his parents and his sisters hasn't made him a particularly happy guy. So it sounds as though his relationship all the way through his childhood, not just when he was three, was a difficult one. In fact, I think it, his father and his mother split up, didn't they, afterwards. Um, yeah. Did you Did you feel... He had really kind of had quite a difficult upbringing, which had, you know, spilled over into his adult life.
1: Yes, I think so. Um, We know from Mary Lawson herself that she in an interview, she said that um, when she was writing the book, she discussed it with her sister, who's a clinical psychologist. And she asked her sister, how did she think Liam would have coped with the sort of upbringing he had with the level of maternal deprivation that he suffered? and the the inattentive mother, should we say, who couldn't cope. And the the verdict, as it were, of her sister was that he would be likely to have suffered problems uh, forming strong relationships when he matured. And indeed, he obviously does have a problem with that because his marriage to Fiona Mm. uh, has fizzled out, unfortunately.
0: I mean, in the book, we read that he does try and form a relationship in the town of Solis, with the local librarian does that have any chance of being a successful one
2: yes and and i think you know again spoiler the tail end of the book you know he's in the um about to take flight Mm. you know um having arrived with the intention of leaving selling the house moving on and then settling in if you like and finding a place and joe i think is the name of librarian was very much a part of that. You know, they covered um, aspects of her challenges, bad relationships, difficulties. She's had negative experience in relationships herself, and I don't know a glove that fits. Again, finding himself, and that includes Joe finding a place, finding an environment. And you know, I think Joe was an important part of that, and ultimately, you know, again, late in the book you know, the decision to run, which is the one he made, was ultimately reversed, and she was an important part of that.
0: All these three rela- uh, narrators are actually have got flaws in their characters, haven't they? And if we talk a little bit about Clara, she's only eight, but clearly another struggling character, absolutely distraught at the loss of her sister, Rose, who's disappeared. Nobody knows what's happened to Rose. Rose is a teenager who's had an argument with her mother and stormed off, and police are looking for her. And poor old Clara is constantly looking through the window every day to see if, if she can see Rose coming back. That was very evocative, all that, that scene, wasn't it, in your, in your mind of, of that small child just waiting for the return of her sister? What did you think about Clara, Joe, as a character? Was she a successfully portrayed child having problems?
1: Yeah, I think she was. She was obviously missing her sister terribly, clearly loved her sister and missed her since she disappeared. She was close to her. She kept doing quite sweet things like th- throwing her sister's clothes all over the floor, which is the normal state of their shared bedroom. Teenagers' clothes would be everywhere. When she wanted to be reminded of her sister and what life was like with her, she'd clutter the place up again to make it look <laughs> like her sister was there. So I thought it was quite a sweet touch.
0: Elizabeth? allowed Clara into her house had quite a close relationship with her what you won't know if you haven't read the book already is that actually Elizabeth's past where she uh actually was well she was guilty of abducting Liam for a short period of time when he was a little boy and she had to go into a correction facility for that reason None of that history comes out. So without having discussed her previous mental health issues with Clara's parents, Elizabeth is taking care of Clara quite a lot. Now, would that have worried you as parents that your child was being cared for by a woman who had had a prison sentence for abducting a child in the past?
2: Short answer, yes. Yes. If, 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 If you knew. Um, yeah, you simply wouldn't do it. And, and again more broadly in the eras the book set in, um, because there's the whole I say I, sort of born born mid 60s, so grew up late you know young kids late 60s, early 70s and sort of being a little bit more independent at a very young age. And going, you know, to different people's houses, and that was more the done thing. I think we're in a world now where people are um, more suspicious, more protective, and that simply doesn't happen in the way I was familiar with growing up. Yes. So, but going back to your question, if you knew the history, I think even in the era, yes. I can I'd would struggle to imagine you'd be comfortable with it if don't ever go there again, if you found out.
0: Yeah, I can't imagine as a parent that I would have been comfortable with it had I known the history. Um, however much, you know, it was a long time ago and, you know, Elizabeth seemed like a very nice lady. I think I would still have been very unsure, uncertain about that.
1: I agree entirely with both of you nowadays. Of course, life was different in the seventies. And of course, Elizabeth was a schoolteacher well respected in the community at that stage and she'd managed to leave her her baggage of her criminal conviction and the story of what she did behind her by moving to a different part of Canada as will be the case here. I'm assuming that in those days the idea of having criminal record checks, people thinking about that sort of thing was not really forefront uh, as it is now.
0: And she's, And they've moved to a fairly kind of small remote town in northern ontario haven't they so where probably information about you wouldn't get passed on about mm. who you were you know there was one police officer for that whole town he seemed like quite a nice guy in fact uh, you probably could do a really good job of hiding your past couldn't you you couldn't do it so much now because mm. you've got google and the internet and you know you can look up anybody So, um, yeah, in those days, though, I think, yes, you probably could have got away with that quite easily. Do you think you would have enjoyed living somewhere like Solace?
2: I doubt it because I, you know, as a child in London, as a teenager in West Yorkshire, very different, if you like. And I think the the place described there is much remoter again. So, um, you know, based on my experiences of where I grew up, I think I would struggle, maybe more as an adult, as Liam found, um, you know, he could settle in there. But, um, you know, no, I can't relate to living in a place like that. And I think, you know, aspects of the story around, um, I think it was Jim and his son. Um Cal, is it Cal? Going to uni, not coming to uni. I think if you're born and bred in a smaller town, smaller environment, mm. it might be actually harder to leave. I think if you've yeah. experienced something else, that kind of environment would be challenging.
0: Often in small towns like that where everyone knows everyone, everybody knows everyone's business. There's not a lot that you can hide um, from them. I don't know whether I would, have been, whether I would enjoy that. What about you, Joe?
1: Would prefer to be living in a living in a place where there's more action, there's more culture, there, there's there's more friends close to you, there's more going on. I think I'd find that far too remote.
0: Mm. Uh, more coffee shops as well. They only have one, didn't they? Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, you which know, yeah, is pretty dreadful. But yeah. actually, I liked I liked that. That was quite humorous. All that you yeah. know, up in the cafe and um, the the woman who ran the cafe. She was quite humorous, wasn't yeah. she? If very. Curmudgeonly in her dealings with the customers.
1: It paints a picture of a, of a sort of Western town with the tumbleweed
2: mm-hmm. flowing
1: through the middle of it and nobody there, a couple of horses tied up outside the pub, and that's all.
2: Yeah, and, and... You know, again, every I think Liam at one point expresses his frustration not being familiar that how does anybody keep anything to themselves here? You know, if you have a cup of coffee, everybody knows. You know, so I think it's expressed in the book and my family in the west coast of Ireland, very remote. And that is absolutely the culture. Everybody knows everybody's business. And that's the main topic of conversation. Not the kind we're having in our environment.
0: Moving on a little bit to... Rose who is the disappeared sister or teenage sister of Clara. Very little is said about what actually happened to Rose when she was absent from Solace and when she's brought back home. You hear a little bit about what what has happened. Is it a weakness of the novel? Would you have liked to have known more about what happened to Rose in that time period that she was disappeared?
2: I think what happened to her kind of strike me as the detail which I don't particularly want to go into the the abuse if you like and manipulation that struck a lot of chords with me with modern day things and human trafficking if you like Mm -hmm. and you know there wasn't a lot of detail in there but essentially it was something that to me struck a chord with a modern day trait Mm. Um, how she was quickly, I don't know, use the term abducted, how she was abducted and abused and used um, struck me more. The, the detail, if you like, struck me as more of a modern phenomenon, you know, watching documentaries and news and bits and pieces. Mm. I can't say if that kind of thing went on back in that era. But it was something that kind of struck me as being a modern description of her situation and something that I have a suspicion, but not knowledge that wasn't true of the time. And again, the whole mental health aspect of this, when she did return home, the support for her was just yeah, people, family, caring you know bringing her food looking after her um, and she was deeply damaged and again the kind of welfare that we'd expect today clearly wasn't there for her and
0: she- well, and I had concerns about Clara in that situation as well Tony because I felt that uh, you know Rose was going to have quite a long journey ahead of her to get over if she ever could what had happened to her and in that, and in the parents struggling to try and help her, you know, whereas where is where was Clara going to be in all of this? You know, a bit kind of sidelined, and you know, not have her own needs met. What did you think on that, Tony?
1: Yeah, I agree. It's it's, it's going to be a shame for Clara because she's on the the brink almost of of teenagerhood, um, and she, there's she's going to need her mum and her family support her. Uh, And in fact, she's going to need Rose's support as well. Whereas Rose is going to take some patching up together again, Mm. everybody around her, loving her and looking after her. That's quite a good point, actually, that that Tony made about the the historical aspect of that issue. It is perhaps a weakness of the book that um, Rose's story is a bit incompatible with Mm. what we've, remember or what I can remember anyway of of life in the 70s early 70s -hmm. Um, maybe there's a big city aspect to it the Toronto where she went yes is is far worse than any of us can imagine and it was like that 50 years ago
2: and if 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 I may because just again the Clara aspect it's just Jo reminded me of this when I was reading her story and you know brilliantly written describing a seven eight year old girl's view of the world i did pick up personally echoes of her being distant um, particularly following rose's you know disappearance she felt like she was on the periphery not the center of her family with echoes of liam's story for totally different reasons But I felt there were echoes there of her being on the outside due to events and yeah. slightly left to her own devices, which, you know, a, the little echoes and the relationship with Liam's story.
0: Let's talk a bit about Booker Prize longlisting for this book, uh, how diverse the selected long list can be, and then how, you know, how different the short list of books can be. I probably wouldn't have expected this book to be on the long, long list, and yet, I'm questioning myself when I say that. Why shouldn't it have been? Because it is quite powerful and sophisticated, and it's about the frailty of people, and it feels like it deserves its place. Um, What did you think about that? Did you do you think that a town called Solis made its way should have made its way perhaps onto the Booker shortlist?
1: About that, Christina, Um, I don't really see it as a Booker book, to be honest. Okay. Um, Booker books tend to be more literary and more complex in the way they're constructed and in their language. And this is very pared down and simplistic. It just doesn't fit in my mind with what you expect of a booker book.
2: I'm not going to pretend to be a deep knowledge of the Booker Prize, but I think Joe described what I expect of it very well. And this was a good, well written book, just to be clear. But you hear other books and it might sound unkind, but, you know, Richard and Judy Costa Book Awards. Um, it's definitely a very well written book, well you know, well narration of three stories. There's a lot of very positive things about it. Um, is it a high end, you know, literature? No, it's not. But it's very good at what it does. Yeah. And that can probably be recognised, but I don't think the book is the place for it.
0: Quite. Uh, charming peripheral characters in this book I think you'd say and let's talk a little bit about them and who they are there is I think it, is it Jim who's the builder the roofer
1: yeah. um,
0: with his son who's I think is is that Car- no Carl is the policeman isn't he right um that's Carol,
1: I
2: think. Yeah. yeah
0: that's right yeah and he he goes off to university but then quickly comes back he doesn't he doesn't manage to stick at it which character in the story did you have most empathy for, and if you have Well, I think
1: probably of those secondary characters, it would have to be Carl, the policeman. Yeah. I, I think he went about his job in a very uh, thoughtful and effective way, getting Liam on board and helping him. And the, 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 the scheme he devises to involve um, Clara yeah. is very clever, it's very effective, and it does ultimately lead to them rescuing um, Rose, isn't it?
0: Yeah. So I
1: think of the, of the choice between the two secondary
2: uh, characters, I would go for, for Carl.
0: OK. Did you have a favourite, Tony, of the peripheral ones?
2: I'm going to go a very distant choice because I loved Carl. I loved Jim, the builder who recruited Liam by himself. And um, yeah, I love both of those characters. It wasn't a character, right? When I say a character, Elizabeth talked about her husband regularly, mm. child. how he behaved with Liam, you know, conversation slash argument about what she was doing with Liam and how it was bad, how he clearly, you know, she was, you know, in the in the hospital or hospice, she, the way she, her character was written, she was constantly talking to him, you know, in her mind, you know, um, having conversations with him. And... So he wasn't a character as such, but she described his character. She described events. You know, he was there for her, supported her, concerned, knew that what she was doing with Liam was wrong. So he was equally concerned, equally loving. So not a direct character in the way Carl was, but there were just little gentle drops describing her ex-husband and him being there for her and her talking to him. And I really thought that was very well done.
0: We're coming to the end of our podcast very soon, but before we do finish, I need to ask you both. Is this a good book for a book club read?
1: We've certainly had fantastic discussions uh, about Tangled um, Called Solace. It raises complicated issues that, and does so in a simple, straightforward way that make it easy for a book club to discuss them
2: without getting bogged down in detail. Absolutely. I, at the end of the day, I did think it was a superbly written but simple quick book, but it did cover deep subjects and the conversation we had in the you know larger group meetings. It was, a, you know, the best you can say about a book is the discussion we have about it. And I thought this book was definitely, you know, at the upper end of the group discussions that were had, which is a compliment to the book
0: thank you guys for coming along tonight to talk about it it's been great Um, i'm going to finish the podcast just by letting listeners out there know that our next podcast in about a month's time will be about a book called uh, magpie lane which is psychological sort of thriller doesn't really fit very easily into any genre in particular but it's by the author lucy atkins and it's set in oxford and actually at Oxford University. So um, I hope you'll come back and listen in to our discussion about that one then. In the meantime, keep reading and keep safe. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to Gloucester Book Club's podcasts. You can find us on Spotify, Anchor FM, Google and Apple podcasts and many more. We look forward to having you join us again soon.